our beloved chiropractic profession faces challenges like never before. These challenges come from not only outside the profession, but also from within. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and I've had the opportunity to see this profession as a practitioner, a teacher, an administrator, and a politician. In my over 40 years in chiropractic, I've just about seen it all. Join me on Cairo Rants for an honest and no-holds-barred discussion about all aspects of chiropractic practice, politics, education, and philosophy. We'll talk about subjects that most only want to whisper about, and we'll interview the leaders in our profession to get some straight-up answers. If you're looking for a politically correct chiropractic discussion, this is not the place. Welcome to Cairo Rants. Hi, this is Dr. Bobby Brellin. Welcome to another edition of Cairo Rants. You know, today, uh, for you chiropractors, we're going to be speaking a little bit about something that everyone has to do at one point or another, continuing education credits. You know, it's something that's been on the back of my mind here, and it's obviously, as we're getting into, this is October, I'm starting to think more and more about it because um, we all have to have a certain amount of hours depending upon our state, our jurisdiction, and typically... You know, the history has been you, you register for a seminar or more than one seminar, and then you go and sit in there and you get your hours and you get signed out and then you get your hours for the year and then you're good for another year. Well, this is a little different this year. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And in fact, gatherings of any large amount are supposed to be uh, not allowed I know here in the state of Georgia, uh, they've got, it depends upon if you're a nonprofit or whatever, I guess, I guess COVID depends upon whether or not you're a nonprofit or whatever. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But regardless of what it is, there's limitations on meetings. Now, there's a problem with that is that in many states and in Georgia, it was the same. You're supposed to have a certain amount of in-person hours you know, where you have to show up. Now, recently I got an email from the Georgia Council of Chiropractic uh, saying that the governor had a proclamation saying that, uh, or something or other, that you could do them all online. Okay, well, that seems to be a bit of a solution, except there's not a whole lot out there online, 100% online, that would handle it for you. Uh, Georgia Council seems to have some. I have to check into a little bit more detail. But you know, there are many states where that's not an option, where you can't get your requirements. You actually have to go to a seminar in the middle of a pandemic of which there are rules you can't go to the seminar. It's just a little bit odd to me that that would take place. You know, I, I would push basically that why not just scrap the hours for this year? If you're going to have an issue with people being in a large room, why even have the issue? It's not like chiropractors are going to start hurting people or any doctors are going to start hurting people because you get rid of the in requirements for us to have to be in a seminar. Um, it just seems totally absurd to me. Now, you know, let's, let's take a little history of CE for a minute and uh, how that's kind of gotten absurd over the years. And uh, part of what my rant is, is to look at the whole continuing education. Um, I don't want to call it, it's not a scam, but the, the whole continuing education machine over the years. You know, in many states, when I first got in practice, there was no continuing education requirements. You went to school, you got your license, 
you were practicing, you were good. You paid your fee every year or two, you were good. Now, in certain states, there were requirements. And across the board, nationally, it was about 12 hours um, for the states that required it. And initially, there wasn't really any particular uh, breakdown of that. However, state boards started to add more breakdowns, started to add more requirements. Um, laws got passed. And, and presently now, we're at, in many cases, in most states, I would say, 20 hours per year or 40 per biannum, depending upon the state. Some of them allow you to get 40 hours in one year and you're covered for two. Others, like Georgia, it's 40 hours for two years, but you got to have 20 per year. So it's a little different a scenario in, in Georgia than it is in some other states. Now, you might say to yourself, okay, wh what was the real reasoning for adding that in there? Is there a public safety issue with this? And, you know, one could make the argument that the more education that a, that a doctor of any kind goes to, uh, the safer the public is. Okay, show me the documentation on that. The reality is there hasn't been any. Uh, there's not really been any studies to show that the rate of malpractice or the rate of damage to the public or people getting hurt uh, decreases based upon the increase in the amount of hours that doctors have to sit in seminars. And for many years, it was a tremendous scam anyway. Uh, I practiced my early years in Florida, and that was probably the biggest scam ever. Uh, Florida had a requirement initially of 12, and then it went to 20. Uh, we had to go to a seminar, and you had to sit there. Well, the problem was in Florida, they used to book them at some of these nicest hotels in the state. And the requirement basically said you showed up to the speaker, you signed in, and then that was your attendance. Well, amazingly, you know, you'd have three or 400 people registered for a seminar. Everybody would be signed in. And you'd look in the room and there were like 12 people in the room. You look at the pool and there were 200 people at the pool. So it was like sign in, go swimming, come back, sign out, you know, four or five hours later, go back to the pool, sign in, go back, come on back, go, go to the bar, you know. And it, it was a running joke, even to the event that the rooms weren't big enough to hold the amount of people who were registered for the seminar because they knew people weren't going to be there. They would be at the pool. They would go golfing and get back in time to sign out. Or they'd have their friends sign them in and out. You know, hey, sign me out at 12 o'clock. You know, that kind of thing. And it was so rampant and so obvious and so in the face. And most didn't care. The associations that ran these things, uh, Florida Chiropractic Association, a little bit from the society down there, didn't care because people were paying for the seminar. In fact, the increase in hours was supported by the association, especially the FCA down there, because it got them more money. It made the schools more money. You see, the, the groups and the associations who would really stick up for the chiropractor and say, we really don't need these extra hours, wanted the extra hours because they made more money on the seminars. They could charge more. It made them millions in certain cases you know, where, hey, let's support more hours. This way, more chiropractors have to come for our seminars. And, of course, at that time, it, coming to seminars meant a weekend vacation because you weren't even showing up to the room. Well, I don't know, a decade or two ago, the inevitable happened. A TV crew with hidden cameras registered for one of the seminars. And they even showed that people who were working the seminars were t telling the doctors 
how to get out of actually showing up to the room. Well, why don't you just come in and sign in? This is all caught on camera. So it made a big news splash, not only locally, but nationally. Chiropractors scamming continuing education. Now, by the way, I don't think we'd be the only ones doing it, but the chiropractors were doing it so blatantly in Florida that it made national news. And, well, of course, what happened? There was a lockdown. And, you know, the funny thing is there were a lot of people who knew this was coming, who knew, you know what, the news is going to get a hold of this. And sure enough, they did. The TV cameras, hidden cameras were there, and they showed docs, hundreds of doctors down by the pool, nobody in the room while the teacher was teaching, and everybody getting credit. So there was this huge thing in Florida. Um, most of the other states were not as bad as Florida, but they did take notice, and all of a sudden everything tightened up. And in fact, it got to the point where you had to sign in out just to leave the room, card or bar, bar code scanning. So basically, you had to be in the room all of a sudden. Now, the vendors who paid tremendous amounts of money to have their booths at these seminars were thrilled to death because, hey, now I got bodies here. That I don't, they're not at the pool. I can sell stuff. Uh, but the doctors, of course, were not happy. In addition to that, at the same time, we then had all of these, I'll call them knee-jerk reactions to public health um, when the AIDS epidemic became a big thing in Florida, they added, I guess it was three or five hours of AIDS education for the chiropractors per, I think it was biennium. Now, that's not one time. You had to do it every time. I don't know about you, but as a chiropractor, the idea of understanding the disease is great and taking a seminar one time but every year, understanding, I mean, you know, it's not as if we're actually, we have patients who have AIDS that we've treated, but we're not treating the disease. There's only so much information a healthcare worker is not directly involved in the treatment of that disease is going to need. Um, and it was overkill. And it, by the way, because the hours were 20, it took away from other hours in things that chiropractors might need more importantly than that. Uh, and, of course, then there was rules and boundaries put in because, obviously, some chiropractors were taking advantage of patients. But it became like, okay, a quarter of your hours were nothing more than to beat up on bad chiropractors. Um, state rules. Okay, state rules and laws. That's an hour. But then, you know, ethics and then boundaries and then malpractice. And, you know, it became to where a large portion of it was how bad you guys are, guys and gals are, and here's what you need to do. Now, you know, you'll have those who are on boards and things that will argue, well, look at all these terrible cases. And I don't disagree with that. I think it's more predominant in some places than others because uh, there's a difference in the rate of prosecution. And it, I don't think it has to do with the fact that they're letting them go. Um, you know, Florida has a much higher rate of prosecution than does Georgia uh, relative to chiropractors doing things bad. But I, I kind of think if you treat people like criminals, you get more criminals out of the job. So in any event, uh, you know, a lot of the education was around things you do bad and, and less and less on things that might help you on your daily practice. But the hours, you know, got up to 20 and some of them it's 24. Some of them I think it's even larger than that, a few states. I'm not sure which ones. But it takes us to, you know, a huge increase in the number of hours required and a system in place whereby the schools, because they make a ton of money doing it, the associations, because they make a whole lot of money doing it, 
And the vendors, because they pay the associations and they have all of their doctors there. So, there. so this is huge machine that wants you chiropractors to get more and more ongoing education. Not necessarily because you absolutely have to have it, that it makes you safer. Like I said, I'm not aware of a single study that shows there's less malpractice cases in a state that has 20 hours or uh, you know, over 12 hours or no hours. I think New Jersey was like the last state to go to having continuing education hours. And I don't think that there was any difference in the malpractice rate before and after that. It would be a wonderful study, but I don't think it exists. Uh, kind of like in the educational process when they kept increasing the uh, pre-requirements for chiropractic school. Initially, it was high school, you know, years and years ago, decades ago, long before most of you who were listening were even alive. Uh, then it became, you know, like uh, 60 hours or 64 credit hours, which actually is what it was when I went to school, 64 credit hours of certain science credits, et cetera, et cetera. Then it went to two years of college, including so many hours. And then it went to four years uh, to get in or four years once you're in, that type of thing. It varied in different places. But the requirements increased. Now, under no study that I am aware of, and I was heavily involved in the, the fight to this, I said, please prove to me that increasing the indebtedness of students prior to going to chiropractic school increases the safety to the public. Oh, well, obviously, if they have more education, they're better. No, show me. You know, I'm open to it. Show me. And the same thing can be said for continuing education. Show me that an increase in the CE hours has an effect on the safety or the care given to the patients. Give me a metric. Give me something that shows that you have a better chiropractor because they sit in a classroom for 20 hours or 12 hours or 40 hours and do more. Now, that being said, there are a lot of chiropractors who will take some of those hours and invest them into things that they're interested in, such as chiropractic pediatrics, such as sports chiropractic, certain techniques, upper cervical studies. I mean, those things are interesting. You know, we had on, on our show here a number of upper cervical experts, uh, Dr. Julie Meyer Hunt. Uh, I mean, I tell you, Julie Meyer Hunt, I, I tell you, I was blown away by her work and every time she does a seminar and I'm in it, I like sit down. It's not like I'm, even if I'm not registered there, I have to sit down and listen. So there's some stuff that even I love to go listen to and I love to hear. But there's an awful lot of stuff that's a requirement that's like, I can't believe we're doing this. Or, you know, rules and laws and the over-regulation of stuff um, that you hear. I mean, just overbearing. One of the things, and this is probably a gripe for an entirely different rant, is in a continuing education seminar, one of the things that I constantly hear from speakers, many of the times they're speakers who are actually on state boards, is to say something to the effect of records are incomplete in most chiropractors' offices. You know, there's a problem. Chiropractors don't keep good records. And, you know, they, they teach you in school and they have to do this soap thingy, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's washing in a shower to me, but, you know, soap uh, notes, and they want you to do these in-depth records. And if you read the law in most states, and I know in, in, in specifically it was in Florida, I think it is still in Georgia, it says whatever a reasonable, a reasonable chiropractor would keep his records on a patient. In other words, like there's an average. 
Well, if you're saying 80% of the chiropractors keep bad records, that's not average. See, average is 50%, and that's right in the middle. You know, you can lop off the top 20% and lop off the bottom 20%, and the middle 80's got to be, you know, the middle 60 or whatever's got to be okay. Uh, but to say that most chiropractors keep bad records, by what standard? Where are, they, where are those standards to say the, 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 those records are, are better than others? And again, you're making all these claims, you're making all this increase in CE, uh, continuing education requirements, based upon bad record keeping that you claim is bad record keeping. Show me the data that says that chiropractors are more liable to hurt someone or cause damage because of those particular types of records. You know, we'll have a separate rant on record keeping because it's one of my pet peeves. But again, we're, we've been throwing and increasing things on a CE level that may not interest a chiropractor that they sit to. I mean, I've, I've taught CE courses. You know, I'm not immune from this. I've actually been the speaker and done, I've done 18 hour programs. Uh, but I've done, you know, a lot of four hour programs, a lot of six hour programs. And I tell you what, I try as hard as I can. To keep it interesting, I throw some comedy in there. I've done some stuff where, you know, I, I have some odd imagery come up on the screen to make it funny, to make my point that has really nothing to do with the educational level, but just to keep people laughing and keep them interested and engaged and questioning. And I'm loud and I'm boisterous because I've been in a lot of programs where they were like the back half of the room is like on their phone, falling asleep, reading newspapers. They got their laptop open like they're taking notes and they're watching a game, you know. So it's the same thing as being at the pool, but you got to be in the room. Uh, I mean, I've seen one in the back with the earphones in. You know they're not paying attention to a single word at the front. They're in the back watching a movie, you know, or watching a sporting event or something like that. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like absurd you know, to force chiropractors to take this. Now, you could say, well, you know, if chiropractors don't, they won't ever gain any knowledge. Okay. But show me the knowledge that's necessary to make them safer or better. And let's not discount the idea that what they're doing might be gaining knowledge. Let's, let's head for, you know, not more is better. Better is better. You know, let's, let's put on better CE programs. And I know different associations have different ideas of what that is. I know being involved in uh, Florida Society, ICA, GCC, we we're always about putting on better programs. But it was still within the framework of that let's get together a 20-hour program or a 12-hour program and fill the slots and pick the best people we can. Now, you know, as a past president of the Georgia Council, you know, I, I know – hundreds of chiropractors, most of them owed me favors. So I was able to get some of the best speakers to come to Georgia for free and speak at the various programs that we set up. And, and you know what? Okay. It was somewhat interesting because we had really cool people speaking and that's great. It was still within that framework. You know, they were still, okay, how do we do the laws and rules? How do we do the required section, the boring sections? Um, and depending upon the speaker, we'd have some, especially with you know, like your laws and rules or your record keeping or your ethics, you know, you would get some people get up there would just scare the bejesus out of people about if you don't do this, you're going to get sued. If you don't do that, you're going to get sued. This is the requirement. This is what has to happen. And then in one of them, I asked the speaker, I says, uh, you know, it said, the law specifically says what is expected of the average chiropractor. 
Okay, so if you're sub-average, if you're doing less than what would be the normal, I understand that's a problem. But he was saying that everybody had to do a certain procedure. So I said, okay, how many of you in this room do this procedure? And nobody's hand went up. So she was like, how could that be the average? How could that be normal? How could that be what the, the normal chiropractor would be expected to do in the performance of their duty? It can't be if nobody's doing it. That's it. That's somebody adding on the interpretation of something. That, by the way, it didn't say that you had to do that in the law either. The law specifically said what is expected of the average, reasonable, et cetera, et cetera, which, yeah, okay, that's a huge interpretation. You get people on the board of examiners who work for insurance companies and want all and that happens a lot. We'll, we'll gripe about that too a little bit. And, yeah, they're going to have a higher expectation of what should be. You get somebody who's involved in academia, they're going to have a much higher expectation. But the average person, guy or gal in practice, who's seeing a lot of patients and, you know, just doing their job, taking care of folks, you know, in other people's eyes, they're going to fall short, but not in their patient's eyes. And unless they're subject to being sued more or hurting people more, why are we giving increases in, in, in hours and, and things like that? It just it doesn't make a lot of sense. So we have a lot of hours required, and now we're in the middle of a pandemic, and now we're in a situation where <laughs> in many states, I'm sure, you're required to go sit in a seminar, although the seminar has to be spaced and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how are you going to do that? I know a lot of groups are still holding seminars, and, you know, they're touting that we're still doing in-person stuff. Great. You know, I, you know wonderful. This, their association makes money off of that. And honestly, I uh, I would put forth to the governors, cancel it for the year. What's the difference? People are not going to get hurt because they didn't go hear a seminar on such and such or make them voluntary and online. And, and by the way, if you believe that it's bad to put people in a room, then why are you requiring people to be in a room? If you don't believe that's the problem, okay, then no problem. Let's have the seminars, you know. I'm not going to push that on the governor. If, you're, if your thought process is you shouldn't be together, and, and granted, if you listen to a lot of the national news experts that are out there and a lot of federal government experts, CDC, they're warning against doing these things. And as chiropractors, we always listen with a slightly different ear. We don't necessarily trust that information, and I understand that. I'm right there with you. Uh, but I don't think that I don't want to fight that particular battle. You know, I just want to say, look, let's make it easy on the chiropractors. Cancel CE for the year, you know? I mean, what, what's the big deal there? It's not like we're going to get less safe. And certainly I'm sure there are associations and colleges saying, no, don't do that, it's terrible. You know, well, actually, that's a financial answer. You know, because if the colleges cancel it, they're going to take a big hit financially. If the uh, state associations cancel it, yeah, they're going to take a big hit financially. But you know what? I don't think there's going to be any more lawsuits or any more damage to people or the public, which is what the boards are supposed to be covering and watching. I don't think there's going to be more damage to people. You know, in fact, you know, I don't know of any particular license requirements that say you've got to have a COVID two hours included. Now, they, by the way, there may be. Somebody may have passed one, but I'm not aware that the courses are out there. I know there is chiropractic and immunology out there. Um, seminars about how chiropractic relates to immunology. Hey, that's an interesting course. And by the way, I've seen some online. I, I'm seriously thinking, get a couple of hours. I would love to do that. In fact, I probably will. But 
you know, and of course you got the FDA that's coming down on chiropractors for saying anything like that on their website. Different story altogether. Another rant some other time. I'm getting into a lot of rants here today, but we want to stick on the CE concept today. Continuing education. It's always been one of my pet peeves because I always thought it was overkill and knee jerk. You know, we've got a new issue. We've got uh, uh, AIDS, so we add hours for AIDS. Uh, flavor. Now, by the way, they got rid of that after a while, you know, in, in Florida especially. It was like, oh, it must have been something in Florida because it wasn't required in other states. Gee, that don't make sense. And also, the difference between states bothers me. You know, for years I had four or five licenses. And what bothered me was that there's different states have different requirements. And I know in certain states, and I know why this is happening, but in certain states, the requirements didn't match, yet you had to have those requirements to keep a license in that state. Now, now I'll give you the more specifics of what I mean here. Florida had requirements, especially in the AIDS programs and in the, you know, the ethics programs and things that Georgia did not have. To keep my license in Florida, I had to get those credits, meaning I basically had to go to Florida to take a seminar ooh, at their you know, conventions to get the specific three or four hours I couldn't get in general uh, physiology that I could get in Georgia. And in Georgia, which allows philosophy, that's not accepted in Florida. So, okay. So I basically had to do double shifting and go to two different seminars, one for Georgia, one for Florida. There was no provision in either of the states. Well, there is a little bit of one in Georgia, but there wasn't really a provision in Florida that if you were not practicing in the state, that you didn't have to get those particular requirements unless you wanted to practice in the state. Georgia did have something about laws and rules in their law about, you know, you don't have to get laws and rules if you're not going to practice in the state for that year. Uh, that, and I understand that's perfect, okay? But Florida required you to get stuff that only they required even if you weren't going to practice in their state because you wanted to keep their license. Well, finally, after so many years, I decided, you know what, I'm never going to go back to Florida to practice. Uh, I'm more thinking about the end of practice life and staying here in Georgia where my family is and my kids and my grandkids. And, you know, my roots are now fairly deep. I've been here longer than anywhere else. So I, I've given up all my other licenses. I've retired them and given them, you know, in fact, in, in Florida, though, you have to actually retire your license in Florida, because if you just let it lapse, you're in violation. It goes into the system, the, uh, whatever the Simbad system that says you're in violation and you could get in trouble in the state you're in for being in violation of another state. You just can't decide, I'm not going to renew. In Florida, you actually have to go through steps. I don't think that's true anywhere else, or at least it wasn't in any of the other states that I had, which included Arizona, Colorado, Michigan, and New York. I had all those states uh, licensed, active for a while, um, in case I ever wanted to move to any one of them. And I'm at the point in my life now where, nah, Georgia's it. I'm not going anywhere after this. Uh, you know, if I do wind down a little bit, it's going to part-time practice in Georgia. But I'm not, I'm not going to open a practice in Florida. It's just not in my cards. My family's up here now. But that being said, the CE requirements that were down there were so much more that when I kept the license, not only did I have to pay their fee, which was fairly high, but I had to go take the seminars, you know, uh, travel, stay at the hotel because you couldn't do them online. I don't know if now during the pandemic, if they allow that. I'm assuming everybody's allowed some amount online. 
I'm hoping that some of the states and maybe Florida have canceled their requirements for the CE for the year. I know Georgia has not. And it's interesting enough because I got an email saying that the governor signed something that allows you to take all the hours because in Georgia, they weren't all allowed. I think half of them were allowed to be on, on online and virtual. I didn't do any virtually, but I think it was half. And now supposedly you're allowed to do all. I just went through the governor's proclamations here and I didn't see that. Now, now maybe I, you know, there is pages and pages and maybe I couldn't find it. I read the most recent one is 51 pages in it. And I did word searches and I could not find anything that says he, he relaxed that standard. It may be somewhere. So, you know, what I did, I went to the Georgia Board of Chiropractic Examiner's website and went on their front page. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anywhere I, that I can see on their front page about, you know, being able to do all 40 hours or 20 hours online. I'm looking at it right now. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, the GBCE, Georgia Board of Chiropractic Administrative Offices, are closed, but operational and will continue to perform the essential functions of the agency while providing the highest level of service possible at this time. Please note that we have a telephone number. Wow, great. <laughs> Basically, they're closing their office, but I don't see anything else. Now, in bold, right below that, like this is the important part, you know, the GBCE is also monitoring the need to adopt the continuing education requirements of relicensure in the state of Georgia due to the developing nature of this public health event. That's an interesting way of saying it. The GBCE is monitoring regulatory issues that may affect our licenses as they manage the COVID-19 crisis. Should changes become necessary, the GBCE will post changes as they pertain to the license renewal process. Okay, that tells me nothing's been done. That, I, that tells me, according to them, from what I see here, it's not an online event. Um, yeah. <laughs> A little bit more about Brian Kemp and the 23rd. Doesn't say that there. I don't know. Um, so I don't really see it. And I read over the rest of this page briefly, and there's a whole lot more further down, but I don't see it does that. Uh, new, George Brown, please do announce that through the federal. Nope, 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 nope. There's a check for thingies. Doesn't say, nope, it's not there. So basically, uh, even though I got an email, and I, I, the people who sent out the email I trust, so I'm, I'm guessing there must be something I don't see here uh, relative to the changes. I'm going to have to look up the laws. and you know. I, but obviously right on the front page where you would hope you would see it of the Georgia Board of Chiropractic Examiners, it doesn't say you can do it online. <laughs> it's as if there are changes. We'll let you know. It'll appear on this page. I don't see any other changes on the page. So in the midst of a pandemic, right now, according to what I read, you still have to get all your CE credits. And they get all kinds of tracking. So, you know, they want you to stay safe, but they're going to put you in danger if, if indeed that's what they're selling. Okay. Uh, I don't know that I buy it, but that's, that's not the important part. The important part is that this is the, telling you on one hand, don't do this. On the other hand, you have to do this. CE in itself, as I said, has always been a game. A game of the people who should defend you as chiropractors, your associations, are making money on more CE. Therefore, they're not into helping you less time out of your office and less CE. 
There is no data I'm aware of that says more CE translates into safer or better chiropractors. Now, certainly I might argue that if you took a technique course, you got better at what you were doing, that you'd be better at helping people. Okay, uh, it sounds reasonable. Where's the proof? Where's the study that's been done on that? You know, we, we, we all time, especially in law, uh, in regulatory law uh, related to healthcare professions, there's all this, well, of course, that's the way it is. Of course, it's safer. Okay, show me. <laughs> show me that you get, you're safer if you take more hours, that the public is less at danger. Show me that pre-educational requirements prior to getting into chiropractic school and increasing the debt of a student going in makes him, a better makes him or her a better chiropractor later. We do a whole lot without show me, you know. I mean, this is not Missouri, but show me, you know. So my rant today is about continuing education, especially in the middle of a pandemic. We need to be focusing a little bit more on, you know, if indeed the government is saying that we need to not have big meetings, then why are we still requiring big meetings? Or let's, you know, if we're going to do them online, let's make them easy. Let's have the Georgia Board of Chiropractic Examiners website clearly say you can get all your hours online. You know, new change this year, it doesn't say it. I went to the governor's proclamations. I don't see it. The only information I got was from the uh, an email from the council that said that, yes, you can do this and have it all online. Okay, great. I'm going to go that route. I'm going to assume everybody who did that is righteous and upright, and they got some notification I can't find here, but it should have been a whole lot more obvious. So that's my rant for today. And I know we ran a little bit long here, but, uh, you know, just bothers me. And we'll hit some other ramps about some other issues and bring in some guests in the future. So thank you for listening to my rant today. This has been Cairo Rants. Thank you for listening to Cairo Rants. Subscribe for free and listen to insightful, truthful, and hard-hitting discussions with some of the biggest names in chiropractic. Cairo Rants is sponsored in part by Now You Know Online and in-office educational services. Learn how to expand your educational outreach to your patients and your community at www.nowyouknow.net. The opinions of Cairo Rants are exclusively those of Dr. Braille and do not reflect the opinions of any associations, groups, institutions, or sponsors mentioned in these podcasts. This has been Cairo Rants.